Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. All right, everybody. Today we got Orson Wells. Been following him on social media. If you don't know Orson or don't follow him on social media, go look him up and we'll get some info here a little bit later. But wanted to give Orson an opportunity to just at the start, really share kind of a high level story and give the audience some perspective on Orson's journey through leadership to kind of get us in the mode of this conversation. So Orson, what's going on, man? How you doing? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate for you the, the invitation as well as just the opportunity to share with your audience. I think it's, a, uh, it's always a privilege to be a part of someone else's project or program and share with their audience. So I appreciate that. But yeah, you know, just my journey in leadership is, you know, obviously I've held leadership positions in the past and, you know, from everything from in church to if you even go back all the way to high school and all those kinds of things. And, you know, professionally as well, one of the things that's, you know, leadership always been interesting to me, but it's also kind of what I do in my career, if you will. I work in organizational development. And so the way I describe organizational development is I help leaders and leaders build healthy organizations. And a lot of that is leadership development and coaching and training. Yeah. So for the last almost 20 years have been working in organizational development and training but leadership has always been something that's been big for me and a big interest of mine. Very cool. One thing that's always fascinated me, and I remember kind of a distinct point in my life where I realized I was falling into these leadership roles more and more. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, did you feel like there was a point where you chose that leadership was your path or did it just kind of come to you? Well, I was always interested in leadership. So I grew up as kind of a the shy kid. And I wasn't one to volunteer and say, hey, I want to do that. But the coaches, the teachers, everyone always talked about leadership. And I was like, I want to be that, whatever it is. And it's so funny that my career kind of turned into that, although I didn't know it was a career or a career choice or something that you can talk about and started reading books. So it's it's not something that I just, I I feel like it's kind of that whole conversation, are leaders born or are they made? And I'm more so on, you know, you, you have some qualities that you could be born with that are natural behavioral traits that you may have that lead you into leadership. But for me, it was really about finding ways that I can help and serve other people. I found that a lot when I kind of figured that leaders, you know, you have influence over a lot of people and, you know, in a work setting, it's directing their lives. And so for me, a lot of my earliest roles in leadership, well, actually started in church. And a lot of times leading those groups were a lot of people that were volunteers. And so you talk about people that you don't have any necessarily authority over in the sense of, you know, you write their checks or anything like that, you don't control their jobs, then you really have to have really good leadership skills. And so that's when I really got interested in leadership from really from the time I was in high school till kind of young adult 20s is when I was kind of forming my ideas and thoughts about leadership. That's awesome. I I completely agree. Leading volunteers is by far the most challenging form of leadership. Um, If you can get people to follow you, if they have no real incentive other than, you know, you're all part of that same community. It's, it's, that's a powerful thing. Very powerful. I do want to go back to very early in your career. And I'm just fascinated. I'm so curious and wanted to hear what was your experience like 
co-writing, producing, directing, <laughs> and starring as Charles Foster Kane. You know, one of the funny, greatest films ever made. Yeah, the funny thing is, is that I've, I've never watched Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, you think you would think that I would have, yeah. given that I have this name, and almost everyone that I come in contact with for the I first know. time mentioned it, and I'm totally used to it. Doesn't bother me at all. Actually, I do I'm always you, fascinated by the story, but I've never watched the movie. Were you named after, or was your name inspired by Citizen Kane? Yeah, it was actually. My mom tells a story that they went back and forth. There's four boys in my family about names. And so I'm the second of four. And I guess when you have the last name Wells or any type of known last name, you go for adding that famous first name. And, and my dad made the final call, it, it, I guess, when it was time to sign the birth certificate. And here I am. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Fantastic. Watching your videos lately, you had a really great one about getting your head in the game and you were referencing some some high school football references, I think. Yeah. Do you play yeah. any other sports? Do you have a big athletics background? And how did that kind of shape some of your leadership skills? Yeah, I played sports all through high school, just a tiny bit in college. Uh, so I was just a, I always consider myself kind of an average athlete, you know, a little bit above average, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to brag. I didn't win any awards or anything like that. But I played football and track primarily in high school. And, you know, since we're talking about leadership, one of the things was sometimes not being the top athlete on the team. Usually that top athlete, they're like, you know, they're such a leader. They, they, everyone follows them. You know, that's the one to follow. And they go first. They start and, and all of that. But I, I began to think about leadership a little bit different by something my track coach had said. I had one year of football where I had had an injury during the football season. And so going into track, I told my track coach, I had pulled a hamstring. And, you know, if you ever pulled a hamstring playing sports, you know that that injury takes a while to heal and you're not 100%, especially if you're sprinting. And he said something to me. I told him, you know, I don't think I'm going to run this year. I'm not healed yet. And he said, just come out and try. Just come out to practice. I'm not looking at you this year to win any races but you're a good influence on the rest of the team. And that just always stuck with me because it showed that leadership isn't always about a position or where you're at in the hierarchy. That year, I did not win anything. <laughs> I didn't really have a good season in track that year. But he said, I wanted you there for your, basically, if I could translate his words, was he's basically saying, I want you there for those leadership qualities where leadership is more so about influence and how you influence groups and teams. And it's not so much about title. It struck me then, but I really understood it as I got, got older that, you know, hey, I was a positive influence on the guys around me that, you know, from a leadership standpoint on how late teens, it's all about behaving and taking on responsibility and that kind of right. thing being focused on whatever you're doing. And so, yeah, I mean, it really kind of began to shape how I thought about leadership and it translated into professionally today. Yeah, I think that's great. When I, when I was college athlete, little baseball, division two, NCAA, oh, wow. didn't have the stellar career I wanted. I talked a little bit about this in my last episode, but the, the yeah. funniest thing that I left with from my college experience was sports has this like physical component yeah. to leadership and you kind of yell at each other and get on each other, almost like the military, you know, it's a little more an aggressive form of communication in some situations. And I've struggled with that almost in the work world or the professional world, being a little more 
tactful and being a little more yeah. empathetic and, and kind of having more of those soft skills. How did your HR background help you with any of that? Or how did HR in general set you up to be in a position like you are today to counsel these executives and, and help these organizations manage change? And In my career, and I actually work in organizational development. Now, organizational development, it traditionally reports to HR, but I always think of it as a separate function. Well, as a complementary function. And so I didn't do any of the hiring, the firing, the you know, all those employee relations kinds of things. My primary role was always training, equipping leaders and their teams to make the organization healthy. And so I'd work with dysfunctional teams, dysfunctional leaders on an individual basis and that kind of thing. And then I'll work with someone that was directly HR. To answer your question, when I started in my background is actually in education And then I went back and got a master's degree midway through, well after I graduated my undergrad. What really helped me were the lessons because part of what I did was a lot of training on those soft skills. And so I learned about emotional intelligence and about how to communicate more effectively and then how to apply those things in a leadership role. Because like you said, you know, even if you're coming from sports, it's more so you do as you're told, you know, you're dictated to, whereas the real world and even the direction, if you see where the most effective leaders are, are, are going, is that that emotional component, emotional intelligent component is primarily the biggest skill that you could develop as a leader is being emotionally intelligent. So I learned those partnering with HR and how that works is bringing that consultative approach to how do you manage change? How do you get people to change, change behaviors and those kinds of things is primarily where a lot of the work that I've done is helped to change those things. And how that translates into leadership is then guiding leaders on what do you need to do to be most effective when implementing change? Because companies are always changing. Things are always changing. Even at now when we're recording this podcast, we've got a lot of change going on. And yeah, it's like unprecedented change. And, you know, how do you navigate that? And a lot of it is not having the answers as much as it's how you communicate and work with people. And so, yeah, that background has helped me a lot and still does to this day. I'm learning all the time, but at the same time, it's given me a lot of good experience to share and help people. Mm-hmm. Spending more, most of my career in the corporate world, curious, mm-hmm. how do you see organizations failing most often when it comes to managing change? Like, What are the major trends and hiccups you see most often from organizations? The biggest thing is, is setting expectations on how things are, are, are changing. And that's always sometimes difficult because if leaders sometimes don't take, that's where someone having someone on like me on your team is also always good. Not that trying to be not self-serving here, but uh, it's always good because you bring that, that perspective because you have an objective view about what's going on. And the biggest thing is not involving others in change. And when I say others, the team members, the people that are in the front lines, involving them when and how things are changing. Because at some point, you know, if you're making a big change within your organization, whether that's an acquisition, whether that's major process and procedure changes, at some point, it's good to involve others outside of just the leadership group. And so that's one of the things that I think is is big. But then uh, you, you go to any 
employee survey, associate survey, engagement survey, and the number one thing is communication. And so sometimes when things are changing, and even in cultural changes, is how you communicate those changes in a way where people see the benefit for them. Because at the end of the day, as a leader, ultimately your goal is when you're implementing change is you want people to adopt that change. The underlying question in change is always, how can I get people to buy into this change, to adopt this change, and it for it to be something that actually lasts for however long it's supposed to last, if it's forever or, or, or whatever. So that's the biggest things is that communication, getting people connected to what the change is. Obviously right now we're Zooming, technology's changing, we're all working remotely. Are there tools that you see organizations using to communicate better across a broad group of people other than email and some of these traditional things? Yeah, I, I think like, you know, like right now we're on Zoom and having that human connection is always good, but it goes back to technology is great and it's always there, but it, it's never going to replace that human connection. And so the more leaders can make those connections, even if it is using technology. So in the situation where we are now, where we're in quarantine, isolating and all of that, is thinking of ways, how can you make that human connection with other people? And so something like Zoom, how can we have a good one-on-one -on -one conversation that's not just about work, not just about the project that we're working on, but I'm checking in with you we're seeing how things are going and we're getting business done. I think that's gonna be an important skill. And that goes back to what I said before, what a big role emotional intelligence plays in being able to connect with one another. As a leader, you're not gonna ever get past that, but it is something that translates into what our current work environments are right now. Do you think with the internet of things and all this technological transformation, mm -hmm. it seems like skill sets of high level people in business, it seems like their skill sets are maybe changing a little bit. I'm curious mm -hmm. your perspective on how technology might be changing some of those training plans for future executives or changing some of those skill set requirements that organizations are looking for in their leaders. When you're face to face, there's less opportunity to lose things in translation than when you are, whether it's, uh, and, and so when you're not face-to-face -face, and even if it's, you know, if it's written, you can always lose things in translation. And so as, as far as like skill set and training going down the road, even if you look after this, you know, after the pandemic and we see ourselves in this situation, I think what you're going to see emerging as far as training goes is how to communicate effectively to your team virtually. Now, there are, and because I've done some work with companies that their 80% of their workforce is virtual. And so you have a lot of those, especially if you think about technology companies, there's technology companies now that this is not even phasing how they work because right. they're used to it. And some of that is cultural. And so if you think of an organization as a culture, so in technology, for a lot of ways, that's something that's kind of ingrained. There, there are people that work with them, understand how to do that. You can have people all over the world where you're going to kind of see a little bit more of the struggle and a lot more training needed are those environments where people are together. And so in Houston, oil and gas is big. And if you look in the corporate environments, people are together, collaborating together, working together. That's where you're going to see the need for additional training on 
how do you connect virtually and how do you get things done? How do you stay motivated? How do you do those things? So yeah, I, I can kind of see, and it's not that that training is not out there now, but I, if I'm a leader, I'm going to bone up on my emotional intelligence skills and how to communicate virtually and how do I keep others motivated and engaged in this part outside of just saying, you know, here's a deadline and those kinds of things. Building on that, I've seen where when I've taken the approach of having a face-to-face or a one-on-one sort of Mm -hmm. conversation in preparation for bringing a group together or in preparation for having a meeting where I'm seeking a decision, I often find if I've already built those individual relationships and, and kind of already established that trust with yeah. those individuals, you get to that group setting and you can be way more successful and efficient with everybody's time as mm-hmm. you move through those changes. It's a lot of legwork though for, for a leader to have to go around and, and do all that one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, hopefully they're in a setting where they can delegate some of that one-on-one connection and they're dealing with a smaller group as far as how their organization is designed, that they have fewer kind of, you know, small number reporting to them. When you think about, again, trying to reach everyone, if you kind of break down, I've just been throwing out emotional intelligence there, but it, but is, is having empathy for the other person. And one of the things I, the video you're referring to, one of the things I talked about was cognitive empathy and asking, you know, so Philip, what are you thinking? <laughs> you know, asking, you know, how are you thinking? What are you thinking about? And getting your thoughts and ideas about those things, because that engages you in the process. And so when you talk about what skills are needed, it's how do you create engagement virtually versus that face-to-face. And so uh, I think that's going to be a big challenge for leaders, kind of if you think about what's leadership look like in the future. Yeah, I love that. Asking people about their perspective and Mm kind of pulling them out. Regarding culture, curious what failings, again, you see organizations making culture-wise, and what's your perspective on how you build a strong culture? So that's actually one of, over the last, uh, I think about five or six years, that's been one of my big focuses in the work that I've been doing with within organization is looking at the culture. And the biggest thing is that culture can just happen. It's always going to just happen, whatever. I mean, because if you think about the culture is what you do repeatedly and that it becomes part of what you do, how you interact with each other, all those kinds of things. And if you do it without intention, you you end up with a culture that you may or may not want. (laughs) Now, there are times that culture develops and it's great. It works, but it's always best, especially with an organization, that there's some intention behind it. And so the biggest thing is for any culture, for any organizations, number one is really looking at what do you want that culture to be? But then also from a leadership standpoint, embodying that culture, being part of setting that example. And when you think about where organizations fail, a lot of times it is that sometimes there's not that real good example out there for people to model. There's no one modeling that that behavior or they're compromising the value that they've set. And so if integrity is something that your company values and you as a leader violate that right. and you don't apologize right. for it, right. then that's it. a problem. That becomes a problem and a big challenge for other people to then say, there's no real good example out there for, for them. Yeah. And we do what we see, you know. For sure. I've heard Gary V. Do you listen to Gary V at all? I do actually. Yeah. He has a perspective on culture where he says you build culture by hiring and firing. If you hire the wrong person and don't get rid of them quick enough or don't take action quick enough, then your culture, it's going to allow your culture to go in the wrong direction. And yeah. 
if you have a good person that you fire, obviously that's going to take your culture in the wrong direction too. So I, I thought that was really interesting. And I've seen that some in, in corporate, how just letting certain individuals go in an organization can have an impact on the culture and the emotion of. That's a great point. And I would hundred percent endorse that idea because yeah, you're, you're, you are building your culture when you hire and fire. If you keep someone around too long and they could even be a leader that is violating those values, then all of a sudden now that is infiltrating your culture and whatever that negative behavior is, is now accepted. And maybe it's accepted because they're a high performer. They produce results. And so you excuse some of that behavior. They're, they've been deemed vital to that. But then as the leader, as the ultimate leader, you have to ask yourself, what's most important here? Right. Our values that we've set before or the results that this person brings to the table. Right. I would say, if you're asking me, I would say you can find someone else to bring those results. You can <laughs> yeah. train somebody, groom somebody, sure. get two people to do that or whatever it is. But I would err on the side of, like you said, changing that person out and getting the right person in there that embodies what, what your company really stands up for. For sure. You've been killing it on social media. I've been watching your videos. I'm trying, man. You're putting out some great content, man. You got the million dollar smile. Great attitude. I love it. Was that hard for you? Is that new for you? What, tell well, me about some of those challenges. Did you have hesitations to start? I know I did. Can yeah. You? The biggest thing for me is, and I put out a little, I think I did a little video on it or I wrote something and posted it was, you know, sometimes it's hard putting yourself out there and saying that like, this is me, <laughs> like these are my thoughts and ideas. Even if you're now, let me, let me back up that question. I started speaking in front of people when I was in high school to some degree, more so in the professional realm now, but even then in church. And so speaking in front of a group or in front of a crowd, I taught Bible studies, did those kind of things, spoke from the stage. And so that's where I was actually groomed and honed those skills of talking in front of people. And then I started doing corporate training and all of that. So I got comfortable in front of people and even in front of the camera. My first time, it took me like 90 takes to do like a five minute talk on camera because I was looking at this camera and there was nothing. Yeah. It's like, different, how huh? to, yeah, it's completely different. And so, yeah. so for me, and this is, this is a hurdle that, you know, even if you're comfortable in one area, doesn't mean you're comfortable in all areas. And also it, it was, it was, for me, it was just a challenge of putting yourself out there in the world and having your thoughts and ideas being shared out there. And it's permanent for the most part. <laughs> you know, yeah. of course you could delete it, but it's out there. Right. And, and that was a challenge for me. And, you know, it's one of those things, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or, or whatever, but why are going to people going to believe what I say and <laughs> what I do, even if you can go down your resume and justify everything that you're saying and, and your experience, it's, you know, it's that second guessing yourself. And so I, I I'm, I'm at the point now to where I'm, overcoming that if I will. That, that's yeah, I totally agree, man. I can relate. I was terrified to put out some content, especially on LinkedIn, which was really the only place I had that network, you know, like my corporate network, yeah. feeling very insecure about it. How has it helped you grow as an individual? Do you think you've grown over these last couple months and it's helped kind of shape some of your perspectives and, and skills on leadership? Yeah, I've had a few experiences, professional experiences in my life where and I think we all have this at some point where you do something and you, you're like, oh, I actually do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, kind of going back to that imposter uh, syndrome. And 
it, it was one of those experiences for me. I remember when the one of the companies that I worked for, they got best place to work. And I contributed to that. I didn't do the day-to-day. I coached leaders and trained leaders to help them get to that point. But I was like, I played a role in that. And it made me think, I think I know what I'm doing now. And it's, so it's one of those things like, you know, I have the skill set, I have the knowledge, the experience, and I'm putting it out there. And then when you look back at yourself, it's like, oh, I may actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but I think that's for a lot of people that we're terrified that what we're going to put out there is not going to be good enough. And that's one of the big things is that I say, oh, wow, I actually have something to say. And I think we all, a lot of us have something to say. And so that's where I'm like, if you got something to say and something to do, go and do it. Try it. You'll probably surprise yourself. Yeah, that's great. The metaphor I love, I made a video about this a while back is what's your 20 and it mm-hmm. comes from the military drop, you know, drop and give me 20 at any time. Yeah. You should be ready to drop down and give 20 push-ups. You know, if you're going to be a leader, what's your 20 at any time? Are you ready to go share your message on leadership? And yeah. what you have to share. And it's really helped me kind of frame up that and, and understand oh, really what, what I'm all about. Right. Do you have any advice for individuals who might be hesitant to do what you've been doing over the last couple months, what we've been doing? And uh, mm-hmm. what, would you, what would you say to them if they do have some ideas and they're thinking about getting on social media, but they might be a little hesitant or apprehensive to do so? I feel like I was probably the most hesitant of all people. So that number one. <laughs> so you're in good company if you feel a little bit hesitant about it. You're not alone in that. That would be the number one thing that I would say. But also, you know, there's something, and this is kind of not necessarily oversaid, but just try it. There's that whole idea of what are they going to say? Then you ask yourself the question, who are they? <laughs> who are these mysterious they people that are out there that may or may Uh, say something about you. So I think a lot of times we wrap a lot of fear and shame around putting ourselves out there. And it's worth giving it a try, putting yourself out there, taking the challenge. Because in most cases, the big question is there's absolutely nothing for you to lose in doing that. I mean, and that's given that you're doing something that's moral and ethical and all that kind of good stuff. Sure, right, right, right. But but for the most part, there's (laughs) nothing you know, something that's popular is that we talk about is that people like you and I always talk about is what's your why? And that's like almost similar is why are you doing that? Why do you want to, why are you even aspiring or thinking about doing something about and getting back to that? And for me, it's always, I'm always thinking about how, how much can I help someone? You know, I always think that I'm not a handyman. I can't fix your house. I can't, you know, fix your car or, or anything. I'm not a doctor that can help you get better. I can give you some Tylenol or something, but that's about <laughs> it. But what I can do, I need to do that and share it with people. And one of the best ways to do that is online. So that would be the biggest thing that I would tell someone is, is get back to why you want to do it and let that be your driver And if you do that, you'll find that you'll have a lot of creative ideas come up with how you deliver your content or whatever your ideas or message is. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've covered a ton of topics today, Orson. Is there any other leadership related topic that you see day to day that you're really passionate about that we haven't covered that you'd want to share with the audience today? Leadership is an opportunity to serve other people. And I always think of, you know, everyone has families, significant others, communities that they have to, whether, and I'll take, talk about it like in a corporate setting, that they have to go back and be with and help. 
how can you help them serve? How can you help them serve those other people? And a lot of time it, it is leading with a clear direction, treating them with respect and empathy, creating an environment where they want to work, where they want to give their, their all at work so they can give their all at home. You know, so leadership is that opportunity to serve and to serve that greater society. And that's what I would say is that anyone that's either struggling in their leadership role or thinking if they should even try to take on a leadership role is, is think about how much help and how much they can serve others because it's a tremendous responsibility. And the biggest thing is just be who you are as a leader, who you are is going to come out. You're the authority on who you are. And so that's going to be very important in being confident in who you are and being able to serve and help other people. That's one of the things drives me. And so you finding your why about why you want to lead, why you want to serve is important for every individual. Yeah, I love that mentality, the service mentality. And I know the things you've shared with me at your church and your job, your community, appreciate all you do. You're doing some really cool things. Tell everybody you. what you got going on, what you're doing, where do we find you? So right now, actually mentioned to you before, I had a, a podcast out. So, you know, coming up, there are some great opportunities as far as a new website and podcast. It's actually, you can see some of my old episodes up on iTunes. It's just the Orson Welles show. In that, you'll see just some really motivational things. But some of the new content that's coming out is going to be very similar to what you've been seeing online, a little bit more in depth, because I try to keep some of the uh, social media posts around five minutes. I've ventured up into seven. I said, okay, I need to really make this into a podcast where you can kind of share more content and include in addition to interviews and that kind of thing. So that's going to be coming up probably within the next week or so. That as well as a, a new website as well. Um, and then some other projects that I'll be working on as far as some, putting some other content out there as far as training and those kinds of some online programs that people could take advantage of. You can find me on all social media as theorsonwells.com or Instagram at theorsonwells. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> at the Orson Welles. That sounded funny to say. But, um, and so funny thing about that, you asked me about my name. Do you know how difficult it was to get a domain name or Instagram name? Or <laughs> oh, I bet, man. Very popular. Yeah. At least the last name is spelled a little bit different, right? I think there's a yeah, name yeah. Um, someone posted yeah. about Orson Welles, the Citizen Kane Orson Welles. And it tagged me on Instagram and said, you've been tagged in this. And oh so I'm gosh. forever tagged in someone else's post. But um, but beyond that, yeah, you can contact me in those ways, but I'll have some content coming up right now. So some of that's under construction. Awesome, man. Well, Orson, thanks for coming on. Keep Thank doing you. big thanks things, man. Invite. Love your leadership perspective. Wishing you the best. We keep learning from you and everybody go follow Orson. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. If you enjoyed today's show, follow the Go Lead Everything podcast so you will always get the latest episodes. For more great content daily, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RealPhilSwanson, Facebook and LinkedIn at Philip Swanson, and subscribe to the Philip Swanson channel on YouTube. That's Philip with one L like the Bible. Now go lead everything.